I'm Bryn Griffiths. This is Product Knowledge, the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives. We live in a product-obsessed world, surrounded by brands we build our lives around and follow religiously. In our last episode about obsession branding, we talked about the elements that bring a brand to the top of our collective consciousness. The names those brands go by become part of our lives and part of our culture. Joining us from Graphos Product is the President and Principal Laurier Mandon and Andrea Schwabi, who's the Director of Media Services. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Great, thank you. Okay, let's talk about brand names and how important it is to the success of a product. Who wants to take this one on first? It can make a big difference because the name is so closely tied to the product's identity. The logo and the visual branding is shaped by the name. In one or two words, we call to mind the entire brand. And that's the power of a name. We judge a product and we assess its purpose, its usefulness, and even its quality by the name. Sometimes a good name, like Photoshop, Google, Kleenex, or Xerox, can become a word used universally. Haagen-Dazs is a made-up word. It's designed to sound Danish. And Doritos is another made-up word designed to sound Spanish. I didn't know that. I did not know that either. (laughs) That's crazy. Those names fit really well to the products they represent, and they define their markets, including the quality and even the price point. Now, we hear stories about this all the time, but what happens, what could go wrong when a brand name doesn't translate well? There's a, there's a lot of mythology around that. One of the most famous stories isn't even true. That's the one about the Chevy Nova being marketed in Latin America and failing because Nova means it doesn't go. Well, the Nova actually sold quite well in that market, especially in Venezuela, where it exceeded expectations. And Nova actually means the same thing in Spanish as it does in English. If, if you wanted to say it doesn't go, you'd say no yendo. And there are a lot of other stories and plenty of urban myths in, in product naming. And one that is true is that Ford messed up when marketing the Pinto in Brazil. Do you know what, what Pinto meant in Portu- uh, Brazilian Portuguese? No. It means tiny male genitals. Okay, then. And you know what's <laughs> yeah. funny? You're never going to believe this. I actually, it was my first car was a Pinto. Was well, it? well, and Pinto, I think that, that the, the problem wasn't that, that, that the car's name meant tiny male genitals, but that, that it blew up when you bumped into it from behind. That, that is an issue. <laughs> small problem. A small yeah. problem. Just, just a minor issue. Well, I can't remember what that was. Was it the gas tank? You just tapped the gas yeah, tank it and it collapsed yeah. and then everything just sprayed too out clo- over everybody. Too close to the back of the yeah. vehicle. There was no oh. real bumper. There's, there's a German example, actually, that I really love, too. And, and uh, Clairol launched a curling iron called the Mist Stick in Germany. Uh, the only problem with that is that the German word mist means crap or manure. So you would literally say, oh, mist. So Clairol Mist is not a good thing. They missed the mark with they that They definitely way. missed it. They oh, definitely wow. missed it. I'm sure there's more stories about that kind of stuff out there. That's for sure. Now, now, what about web domains? Is availability of a .com still important to people? Well, domain availability, has, as long as there's been domains, it's been an important consideration. I've heard that even with, with Google, that they were going for Google, meaning one with a thousand zeros after it, but that wasn't available, so they chose Google.com. If you, even, if you can imagine Google not being able to get its domain. And if you go to Google.com, yeah. it takes you to Google. So there may be some truth to that. 
or that Google buys everything that sounds like its name, perhaps. But there's so many options in top-level domains now, and there's almost an endless selection of dot whatever you need, but .com is still the gold standard. It tells people you're the original, if you can get it, because almost everything is taken in .coms. So we, when we're naming, we work pretty hard to try and find that .com, knowing that that is going to be the one that's going to define that client's website as the real product, the real thing. Uh, but but very often they're taken by domain farms or they're just they're just not available. Somebody's tied them up, right? They're, they're tied up and, and they're tied up in a way that, that makes it really, really hard to get unless you've got a huge pile of money you want to throw at it. Then you, then you can buy almost any domain. Yeah. I've always wondered where the ideas come from for this kind of stuff. You know, as much as anything, it's, it's just trying to express uh, the, the, the product for that, that company. So you're, you're, sometimes it's actually just a mashup. Um, and, and in terms of domains, it, it's really tough because there's a lot of temptation. Like if you're a video company, you might want a .tv domain or a .radio or .tattoo or something like that. But when you're telling someone the domain. So it's supercoolink.tattoo. What's going to happen is people are going to go to supercoolink.tattoo.com. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, no, you're because right. it's, yeah. it's the front of mind domain. It's the one that everybody go, goes to. So sometimes you, you have to f- sort of find a pseudo domain or, you know, go with a domain that's not exactly what you're after and then use a prefix. So for example, we have blog.graphos.ca. So, you know, you've got those extra add-ons. You can always use that, that extra extension right. or the prefix. But, but ultimately, th- there are ways around not being able to get exactly what you want. But r- ultimately, that forces you to make some really tough decisions because it is such an important decision. And it, it's, it's actually less significant than we think it is or than it, than it used to be because you want to use that, that .com domain in your marketing. And yet when, when your end user goes looking, very often they're just going straight to Google anyway and they're typing in whatever it is they're looking for. They'll, I, see, I see it in the query results yeah. that the very often people still type whatever that brand is, .com, .com. even into the search. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has some value there, but generally somebody who's looking for you is, is going to find you as long as you're well indexed. Well, even, they, even in the name registries, like when you're doing a search, so if you're looking for a new domain, the first domain it shows you as available or not is .com. And then it'll show you all the other options. It's because it's what everybody wants, and it's it's what customers still expect. And if if you show them two domains and one is the .com, they're going to presume that the one that's the .com is, is the real McCoy. Yeah. Now the 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 question that I have is, it's one thing to talk about .com or .ca or whatever you want to say, but people rack their brains trying to come up with names for their particular company or whatever whatever their brand is going to be. Wendy's, for example, a great story about Wendy's, right? Yeah, it's, it's the founder's daughter. His name was Wendy, right? And not, not that that matters at all to any of the customers. That's who the little girl in, I guess, the old logo now was. It was to a representation. Is she still in there? I think she is. They've just got a new cartoon of her, right? I think so. Still red hair, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You, you've got to see this all the time, though. Sometimes people spend so much time trying to come up with their name, and it's right in front of them. Starbucks is another classic example, right, in Seattle? Yeah, it's Moby Dick. Yeah, it, it's a character in Moby Dick. Moby Dick, and uh, I remember reading somewhere in Starbucks literature that, that that character loved coffee. And so I looked that up, and no, there's there's actually no reference to to coffee in all of Moby Dick. There's there's no yeah, it's not there. But you know, it's it's the ubiquity of the name. It's you know, everybody, most people, or at least Americans, have read Moby Dick because they have to. And so when you have a name that's as ubiquitous as something like Starbucks, and it has that sort of West Coast trippiness to it, 
must have had another choice because you, people don't just go in with one name. And because what happens if you do the search and you can't get it? Oh, you absolutely. That I'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that process in, in a minute. But, okay. Um, but names can come from from just the strangest sources, it, like the, the name Bluetooth, for example. It that comes from the tenth century king of Denmark and Norway. I think it was Harold Harold Bluetooth. Bluetooth. And actually, the symbol of the Bluetooth symbol is the runes that is the symbol for his name. Really? Yeah. And that's a really odd case for a technology company, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just sort of myth. Well, history, really, not myth. So anyway, we you know here we are. We're talking about brand names, and you know we've heard all the stories about people that just they they can't come up with a catchy name for for their company or what's going to stand for their beliefs, that type of thing. So I think one of the things that's pretty obvious is brand names can come from pretty much anything. But but what about naming something on a trend, like adding Uber to whatever the product is? Is that a bad idea? It's a terrible idea. It's uncreative. Uh, you're, you're just being a copycat. And yet that's a request we get quite often. Is, really? You know, can you make it sound like oh, yeah. like, like this brand? Uber Ask is us a- what we really think, Bryn. Uber is a good example. And, um, and so I think the, the only solution to that is to come up with better ideas that, that show more uniqueness to the client because very often they, you know, they, they want to see that Uber version of their logo and their name and that type of thing. Um, but, but it's also really dangerous. It'll, it'll date you to, to associate yourself with a trend because everybody will think back to you know, the time when everybody had Uber in their company name, if that's our example. And you might also get a cease and desist order from Uber if, if whatever you're doing is too similar because you're, ta- you're walking onto registered trademark territory. Uh, naming's a long-term commitment. So I, I would tell people, you know, ignore the, the brand naming trends, at least to the extent that, that whatever you have is something that... that if this brand takes off and is really successful, which is what we're trying to do, that in 20 or 30 years, people are still going to, to like saying it and they're not going to think, oh, that, that harkens back to a time when, when everybody was using names like that. What other considerations do you look at, too? Uh, a good name needs to be easy to read, easy to pronounce in all of your target markets. So not just at home where you live, but it needs to, to be those things wherever you're going to be selling that product. So it shouldn't be mispronounced or sound like an unsavory word. I remember an old in the '80s, an old commercial for the brand Seco Paints, uh, and in that commercial, they had a guy saying it's Seco, not, and then they'd bleep out him saying the two other ways, which is Seco or Psycho, that you could say that brand. And you know, you just don't want to, you want to save yourself the trouble of having to to do those types of explanations and spend your marketing dollars on that type of stuff over and over again. When instead, you can be building your brand in in a, in a more positive way than just just trying to steer away from from the negative pronunciations well, of your name. And it can be really tricky. So in Japanese culture, every consonant is fo- followed by a vowel. So my name is Andreas. I would be Anadoreasu. So any word that you pick in, in Japanese needs to be consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel, consonant. So a name would be like Sarah. That would work. And and that so that's that makes it pronounceable to the Japanese. That's why baseball is a base baru because there's always a vowel after a consonant. So that's one culture. <laughs> you know, when yeah, you're doing yeah. a larger launch, you need to know exactly where your products are going, who's going to be using them and saying them, and then that's that's where the work starts. So you need to know where you know where you might grow into. And for some for some products, the the goal is never to go to Japan, or we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And you know, if that's five or ten years down the road, that might not be a bad decision because you know you might be spending a lot of extra time and money 
planning and strategizing something that that probably will never happen. So you have to know if that if that's one of your possibilities, then let's think about how it's how this is going to play in those in those target markets, or at least have some indication of, of whether or not you're going to be doing that. The name also has to be unique enough to the category it's in that it can be registered as a trademark in all of those markets without violating the existing ones. So that's you know beyond the pronunciation, you need to think about what else sounds like that, what else what else uses that name. Um, with really common words, that's a really big challenge. On top of the fact that you never get uh, a simple .com domain. If you have, if you come up with something that's easy to say and easy to pronounce, and it's a word that everybody knows, that .com is probably taken. And you know, the, especially if you're registering a trademark in the United States, uh, there's a very good chance that there's three or four or five things already registered with maybe a dozen things with with that name, depending on how common it is. I work on a smaller scale with with mine, and it's a .ca as opposed to a .com. Have I made a mistake? I'd say not. And it, it's interesting because the .ca domain is only available in Canada, so it can be really useful if you're branding a company to be specifically Canadian, and our country has a good reputation here in Canada. There's good reasons to do that. Uh, it's it's not really a domain that's well known outside of Canada. So if you ask most uh, Americans, they'll they'll say oh, that must be California, right? Yeah. And that's not mm-hmm. necessarily a bad thing to a lot of brands either. But um, you know, it, it, you'll also find again that when people are looking for your company, if they're looking outside of, of Canada, they'll probably be looking for the .com first. And and as long as you're well optimized online, and they're going to find it doing a search of of your company name, mm-hmm. the product name, then you're probably not going to have a big problem with that. Yeah. Like a .ca domain is, is it's a bit like putting a maple leaf at the end of your logo. Sure, I it's, guess. It's that kind of thing. It's, hey, proudly Canadian. It, those those local or regional domains actually have some utility. You know, the thing to avoid is .ab.ca because now it's just extra stuff and no one knows what an Alberta is in Canada. Right. You know, that it just becomes a little too, it's just more extra stuff to, to make a mistake with. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of those old ones out there, but in order to buy a, a .ca domain, you have to be able to prove that you either live in Canada or you have a company registered in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that gives some exclusivity to it. And that also locks out all the other markets. And that's why there's a lot more of those domains still available because they can't just go, get gobbled up by, yeah. a, uh, by a domain farm out of the U.S. or another country. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to get the right name. It's one thing to say the right name, but... If you don't know how to say the name properly, that's a bit of a problem too, is it not? Okay, let's look at Yusk. There's no vowels. J-Y-S-K. The first time I looked at it, I'm thinking, oh, Danish, Yusk. But can you imagine I, deciding to market up, that where, in North America? Yeah, where my parents grew up yeah. and where, where, where we visited as kids to visit family, it's 50 kilometers south of the Danish border. We know what Yusk is. So you have all those kinds of issues. No one's, everyone just says Home Depot. No one says the Home Depot. Who cares if you say Nike or Nike? Now, that's actually a little different because people will lose their minds over yeah, Nike. Yeah, Nike fans will get upset with you. Yeah. But, I mean, a quarter of the population probably says Nike, right? Yeah, exactly. But, but, then, but also, there's a big difference between continents, too, because over here, it's Adidas, and over there, there it's, it's Adidas. Adidas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And people will get upset about that, too. Absolutely. You know, the, the, other, the other sort of example of not getting the name right, probably, I don't know, about 10, 15 years ago, I started to notice everyone stopped saying Kentucky Fried Chicken. It just became KFC. And now it's KFC. I mean, the brand followed the the customers. Everyone stopped calling it Kentucky Fried Chicken. So they just went, well, everyone's calling it KFC. We'll do that. Yeah, but wasn't that because people were afraid of the fried yeah, word? Yeah, fried, fried, it, solved, dirty it word. solved two problems, right? It gave them a nice short name. People were using it and it allowed them to escape from fried, especially at yeah. a time when, when, when that was death in, in the fast food world. Yeah, exactly. That was the word everybody was trying to get out of. I prefer to avoid acronyms. 
you know, I think I don't. I, we uh, yeah. haven't actually talked yeah. about this. You know, I've I've always had an aversion to acronyms. I think that they're meaningless in most cases. Consumers have trouble attaching and, and attaching meaning to them and, and retaining them because it, your new acronym will not. You, either you're going to teach consumers what it stands for, which is a big exercise, or you're going to hope they're going to remember a meaningless string of, of letters, which is even harder. So the ones like UPS that we do know. They stick in our minds because we've been hearing those ones and we see them on trucks and, and they're ubiquitous. And that tricks people into thinking, you know, because KFC and mm-hmm. UPS can do it, that, that it might be a good idea for my brand too. Yeah. But usually it's not. You're not going to remember, especially with, with you know, when, when a business is in startup phase launching a new product, the last thing you need is, is to create a battle for yourself that is, how are we going to get people to remember this acronym? Yeah. yeah. What about BP? I, again, I think, you know, Boston pizza had to come first, right? Well, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's actually a good question because when you said BP, I thought British Petroleum. Really? Boston, Boston, well, and there's it's, a really it's good the, example, It's the first right? one that hits my, I don't know why, but literally I just thought that yellow and green logo, BP. Okay, we're talking about BP and then, but we're in Edmonton. It's a Canadian and it's, thing. It's, it's, it's an Edmonton thing. I mean, it's, across, it's, it's a huge success story in terms of franchises, but- you know, again, that's that's the risk of an acronym. Yeah, There's no, two BPs. You're right. One is Boston Pizza and one's British Petroleum. So that sort of illustrates the example. Great and that's point. totally example. Uh, uh, you know, accidental. So the real name is always better than than an acronym. It's it's going to give you something that you can stick meaning into. And I'm shocked how many people don't know what UPS stands for. Like I, I've asked really? a few people, they have no clue. And be, and maybe that's because I, I don't think they say United Parcel Service on any of the the vehicles or on the guys' yeah, I don't know uniform or anywhere like that. I've never noticed. It's just the shield and that's it. And the color, yeah, brown, brown. But we don't know, and that's a good example of how we don't pay attention to those little details, mm-hmm. right? Even with brands that we know really well, it, mm-hmm. it's it's you know I've seen examples of people tr- trying to draw the Apple logo, and how many people will get that wrong? And and that is a really simple one. It doesn't have any words to remember or anything well, else. Here's here's one that's near and dear to our heart. So for Caroline and me, cochlear. It's cochlear, but not in the United States or Canada. Yeah, oh, and, and okay. I probably you say it just wrong can't. too. We all say cochlear because it's it's just that brand comfort. You know, it's like you don't, that sounds like a dirty word. Look, I grew up in Regina. My wife has a cochlear implant yeah. or a cochlear implant. Well, exactly. It it's like it's I, that kind of thing. IKEA, right? Yeah. It's IKEA. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then, but who says it like that outside of Sweden? No, exactly. And well, let me let me throw you my hot button one is Jaguar. Oh, Jaguar? Oh my! Ah, I, I just I, I ever, lose I, my mind when I hear that. It just it it's uh, it just doesn't sound right to me. Jaguar. Yeah, and actually, weirdly, on the radio nationally, they had a guy who was always saying Jaguar. I know, and it was awkward to the Canadian ear. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, now the the other thing I've wondered a little bit about is: does it help if the name actually means something about the product? Uh, yeah, especially if you're launching a brand new product, as we were saying, that in the best cases, a descriptive name can help with your positioning. We developed the name Biacta for a double-action probiotic ingredient, Biacta. And a made-up name in that case allowed us to get Biacta.com, a nice short word, as a .com domain. There's another one we did called uh, Upslide, and it's a truck bed razor. So if you have stuff in boats and bikes and whatever... The back, instead of sort of sliding out the way most beds do, it, it inclines a 45-degree angle toward the cab. So you can stack a ton of stuff on there and then have a ton of stuff on the back stacked underneath. So we called it the upslide. So it describes the thing itself, but the bed also slides out. So you can load it, then push things up, 
So it's actually descriptive. You know, in that sense, up is positive. It describes it. So it's 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 a real win in terms of descriptive, meaningful names. Yeah. And and slide is a good word because it actually, when you say the word slide, it, it, it actually sounds like the, the rolling mm-hmm. wheels of the of the slide. It, yeah, the onomatopoeia of it is, is part of it. I mean, how it appeals to the ear, for sure. For me, the clapper is always going to be one of the biggest ones. You know, clap on, clap off. Could it be simpler? Seriously, though. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, the, the one, okay, iPad. I lost my mind when they named the iPad. I was one of those people who put pictures of a tampon with an Apple yeah. logo all over my social media. It was so ridiculous. And now Bryn is using an iPad, and that's totally normal and natural. Yeah, in, in that case, I think the, the product... It, 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 it no, superseded no, the, yeah. the absurdity of the name. Even even Steve Jobs apparently freaked out on that one because he thought oh, he? after the launch, he, because of the, of the reaction, reaction that people, yeah. the, the overall reaction, he thought this one is going to flop. People are not loving it. And then it transformed that industry too. So, right. you know, I think sometimes it, you can't say that's a great name just because... You know, or because the product succeeded, yeah. There, there's there's too many other factors at play. I was thinking about a medical device that we named as well, and we called that one Echo Bee, and that one made sense to its audience because it is detectable by echo, which is what what ultrasound is called by people who work in that industry, mm-hmm. and it, so it's E K O B I, and and that's the name of of this uh, these micro beads that and then that, and the beads are actually really small; they're like a hundred nanometers. Uh, or micrometers and um, echo and B and the B part just sounds like a bead and it's got that auditory association with echo and bead and and so it all sort of comes together and sometimes you know it just sounds right Amazon was was going to be called Cadabra was one of the uh, Jeff Bezos names uh, that 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 he proposed and he talked D- to I think have, it was his trademark agent and I think it was his lawyer and the lawyer. Thought he said cadaver, yeah. and so that they, that oh, that yeah. mixed that idea, and they ended up going with Amazon. Amazon yeah. sounds right, uh, whether or not you know it's the longest river in the world, or if you see the little smile joining the A to Z because they have everything from A to Z. Amazon sounds right to to the market. Yeah, no, yeah. But you just gave the look of I, I didn't I, know. I, that. I, I didn't know. That. I did not even see the A and the Z. And because often that stuff doesn't matter, but it but it helps in the branding. It helps the, the well, people behind the brand to understand the message they're on. A to Z. Right, I better do that just so we're okay, not getting fair. letters or emails or, or uh, whatever. Yeah, we, no, that's amazing stuff, guys. Well, and I mean, again, going back to Cochlear, they have a little uh, brand tag that's here now and always, here now, period, and always, no punctuation. So the message, and everyone with a Cochlear implant, the second they see that logo, they, they'll all say, I, I like that there's no period there, because you don't ever stop. Hearing. And and it's those sorts of messages that for certain audiences can be really profound. They can be very meaningful. And it gives gives your customers something to attach to. Yeah. Neat, neat that you noticed that being a nerd because I, I remember pointing that out to you and you said, yeah, yeah that people notice that. And I, yeah, they I do. was surprised. I thought, no, I noticed that. People no, the, the deaf and hard of hearing actually really get it. It's it's pretty cool. So so we've talked about all these things to this point, but there's got to be a process to get there. So you obviously have a process to help people get there. A process is really, really important. And having one that, that you've used many times and you, and you know is, is logical and, and systematic, those are the ways to actually build confidence in the client and to also know that we're on the right track rather than just being kind of scattershot with it. And that's very often how people name things if they're, if they're not really focused on naming their product. So we always start with strategy and research. Um, We need to know everything we can about the product. We need to understand the product through the people who are going to use it. We'll come up with a list, a huge list of names. 
and you kind of naturally get your favorites. Like you get some that are just sort of they tickle your brain a little or whatever. And then you're going through and that already exists in Taiwan or that domain is taken. And, you know, there's sort of this natural attrition of ideas. Uh, for example, when we were doing Echo Bee, we were looking at Japanese words because some Japanese words, uh, they didn't have a particularly bad connotation, but you want to be cautious because it's going to be a global product. I mean, this is a product literally for the world. So you need to be really attentive to every market possible. And so you do sort of put in searches in all these language databases and just try to find if it's a mistake or not. Yeah. And that part can be really hard because very often we'll find something that we think is just incredible. And, and we realize that, it, that, that that name is, is registered as a trademark yeah. by some company that really oh, hasn't used so. it on the market. And, you know, it's a big world we live in with, with a lot of different places these names can be used and registered. So, so there's always a bit of a few of those experiences along the way. People come in, do, do people come in though and they're closed minded in terms of this or do you have to kind of open the door a little bit and say, look, that's a great name that you're suggesting. However, Let's uh, let's go through the process here and see whether or not you still like that at the end of the day. You, there's got to be a few people like that. Yeah, yeah. People often have have mindsets that that they need to. We need to at least help them to to break out of or to see around. Um, and sometimes just by uncovering a, a legal reason why they can't use that name is good enough. And, and other times um, it, it takes a little bit more thought and selling. And if, if they're right, and, and there have been times when we've done naming products with the client and that name that they had on their list is the one that's selected, I don't feel bad about that at all because all we're doing is validating that we've, we've thoroughly examined hundreds of possibilities. And darn it, they were not only a good inventor, but they also had the right name on the tip of their tongue right from the start. And that's that's vision. Sometimes that happens, and it's great. Okay, to put a bow on this then, how do we sum this up? Obviously, this is something that has to be really cultivated. It's a long-term commitment, and, yeah. and it's something that, as we said, the name is, is how people, even more than your logo, it's how people are going, going to think of and tell others about your product. So... It's one of the most important hey, things you do in launching a new product. that's it for this episode of Product Knowledge. Right. Graphos, you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Graphos Canada. You can also visit our blog at blog.graphos.ca. We'd love to hear from you, too. Subscribe, like, or leave a review to the podcast or share it with a friend or colleague. Just drop us a line at productknowledge at graphos.ca. Product Knowledge is the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives. Thanks for listening. I'm Bryn Griffiths.